3: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
1: Peter Greenberg.
0: Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, it's all about Brooklyn as we explore what some might claim is New York City's hottest borough. I'll shoot some verbal hoops, so to speak with Brooklyn Borough President Antonio Reynoso, who talks about the diversity of Brooklyn, the Chinese, the Jewish, the black, and yes, the Dominican community, of which he's a part. I'll visit with Sharon Mott-Atkins, deputy director of one of the great hidden gems of New York, the Brooklyn Museum, and Dr. Raymond Conderton. He talks to me about the history surrounding Weeksville. But you never heard of it. The historic community in Brooklyn founded to give black people opportunities for land ownership and offer a space for black people to live freely. That took place even before the Civil War. First up, Antonio Reynoso.
4: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax-certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. So let's talk about, uh, and I have to tell you this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a quote, and maybe you've heard it. It's, Brooklyn was a dream. All the things that happened there just couldn't happen. It was all the dream stuff. But but wait a minute. Was it all real and true? And the answer is, I think you'll tell me, is it wasn't a dream. It's true.
5: (laughs) They're absolutely right. 100%. And, And we'll get to it, Peter, but, you know... Brooklyn is the center of the universe, and <laughs> you know all the other boroughs, all the other states, and any even uh, the other countries all revolve around the sun that is Brooklyn. So I'm really excited to to have this conversation with you and really get people into Brooklyn, uh, and hopefully uh, they can enjoy it as much as I've I've had my entire life.
0: Well, let me give you. I have to give you an admission. I'm I'm uh, don't get mad at me. I'm born and raised in Manhattan. Okay, um, okay. it happens. Uh, you, you, uh, it happens. I know, and you'll forgive me, but. Yes. I will also tell you that when I was, you know, all those years, I never came to Brooklyn because I, I, I didn't know Brooklyn. I, I got lost in Brooklyn. I was afraid of Brooklyn. Those were the days of, you know, uh, drive-bys in Bed-Stuy and and, and and all the bad press. Now, I mean, my goodness, take a look at Williamsburg. Take a look at Bed-Stuy. Take a look at Park Slope. Take a look at, oh my goodness, Red Hook, right? I mean, it's all. and now, I guess to say, I, I think it's safe to say, I'm present at the Renaissance. It's Brooklyn is the happening place.
5: It, it absolutely is. Um, and yeah, we, we took a, a turn for the worst citywide when we were talking about thousands and thousands of murders happening in the city of New York, you know, during the Giuliani era. But you know, the economic boom um, and a lot of the work that we've done on the ground, passing legislation that is meaningful and really having these institutions that are are important to Brooklyn, investing a lot of time and effort to it. Marty Markowitz did a great job as borough president and really promoting Brooklyn as best he could. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it is a renaissance, and Brooklyn is the place to be. You know, uh, it's the most common name uh, for new babies that is, that is happening worldwide. It's Come on, so many great things. Yeah, if you want name your kid Brooklyn, uh, if, um, if they were born in the 2010s, uh, it's going to be a very popular name. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're we're doing we're doing good. We're doing good stuff here, and I'm glad that you know we're getting our due. So I'm talking to Brooklyn Reynoso. no Antonio Reynoso.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's all it's all Brooklyn all the time. Trust me. I do. But let's go back to those days. You talk about the Giuliani days when you had all those murders. I mean, that's, you know, those optics don't go away. It's, it's, it's one of those things that it stuck with me too, until I came back. Right.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I was born and raised in the South side in the 1980s, um, the South side of Williamsburg. And it, it was very difficult. It was drugs, gangs, um, a lot of crime, but through time, you know, we, it's improved significantly. Um, and I do think that there might still be some of that fear, but anyone that knows anything about Brooklyn knows that it's extremely safe and has a lot of, um, a lot of great opportunities. Um, I would also uh, just recognize that the new folks that are traveling from around the world, don't want to go to any of this cookie cutter stuff that you would see in Manhattan. Uh, no offense to Mark Levine, the Manhattan borough president, but I think they want to get to know these communities. They want to get to know where they're, where they're coming from. They want to see the graffiti. They want to see, um, you know, not the restaurant that are charge you 200 bucks for a steak, but the one that the locals know about and talk about, they want to go to the nightlife and places where uh, folks from Brooklyn are going, not just the tourist destination, you know, outside of going over the Brooklyn bridge, everything else they do, they want to do in a way that's truly experiencing being from Brooklyn. Um, and I think that there's a lot of value and we've increased the amount of people coming to Brooklyn because of that over the last decade. So, you know, I'm really happy with it's grit, it's reputation, um, which I think is improving, uh, but uh, just uh, really allowing us to, to,
0: to be front and center in New York when it comes to tourism. You know, you mentioned the one word that's key neighborhoods, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, I also live in Los Angeles. I, 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 I've said this before. I'll say it again. L.A. is 86 separate incorporated cities in desperate search of a community. Um, that's not Brooklyn. No, no. Brooklyn, Brooklyn is 100,
5: like, independent neighborhoods all formed into one. Uh, but they're all neighborhoods. Trust me. Uh, everyone knows the, the bodega on the corner. Everyone knows where the best parks are. They know where the best food is. Uh, And and it's absolutely amazing. Um, Brooklyn also has the largest Chinese population in the city of New York is here in Brooklyn. And people don't know that. I didn't know that. I think it's in Chinatown in Manhattan, but you are wrong. And we're going to get that right. A lot of people are going to learn a lot of great things about Brooklyn while I'm here. Uh, We have the largest Jewish population outside of Israel um, in the entire world. The largest black population outside of Africa um, in one borough is here in Brooklyn. And then we have smaller communities like the Pakistani community that is the largest here in Brooklyn than anywhere else in the world. And because of it, you literally get immersed in their culture and their customs and their heritage when you walk up into those neighborhoods. And it's it's a remarkable thing. Um, it's like a, a capsule in time uh, uh, that, that you have. So um, it, it's been absolutely amazing to be able to travel the entire borough i want to be honest peter i'm a williamsburg guy i'm a north brooklyn guy you <laughs> said you didn't leave manhattan i felt like i never left williamsburg uh but now i'm tra- traversing the entire borough and getting lost in, in, in the beauty of all of its food and culture and it, it is something special
0: we're talking with antonio Rinoso, the brooklyn borough president so i got to ask you a question where does a dominican guy go for chinese food in brooklyn
5: Oh wow, wow! You're you're gonna get me in big trouble here. Now go ahead. I I don't need I don't need tons of, of Chinese food. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a. i am am want to say I'm an at home guy, um, but uh, I, I could only imagine that there are some authentic uh, places. I gotcha, I gotcha.
0: But uh, but yeah. Sorry about that. I'm- no, no. I'll I'll let you. I will let you off the hook on that one. But then I got to ask the next question. Where does a Dominican guy go for Dominican food in Brooklyn? Right. So there's
5: uh, two places that I would recommend. There's a place called Carneval, which is on Grant Street in the south side of Williamsburg. That's very authentic. Um, It's brand new. It was put together by um, some local kids from the community and it blew up. Uh, So Carneval, which is just a a take on carnival. uh, But they, they added carne, which means meat in Spanish in front of it. So it's Carneval. It's a great place. But there's also a place called Puerto Plata, which is a seafood restaurant in Brooklyn as well. Um, and they're doing amazing as well. So Puerto Plata has Dominican seafood and Carnival has more traditional Dominican foods um, and a great ambiance. But those are two great, great restaurants.
0: You know, it, it, every time I fly into LaGuardia, uh, I used to want to always sit on the left side of the plane if you we were doing the north approach to, to the city. Of course, that means you're coming up the, the, the river and you see the Statue of Liberty on the left. You see the skyline of Manhattan. But every once in a while, I'll sit on the right side of the plane because then I get to see what I get to see Brooklyn, and 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 what you're doing to the to the waterfront there, the old Navy Yard. Oh my God, that stuff is exploding. Yeah, look, I think I would love to talk to you only
5: about the culture and the the great things we're doing um, on the ground when it comes to just uh, introducing you know tourism into these neighborhoods that have never seen it, uh, but. Economic development on the Navy Yard waterfront uh, is second to none. We're exploding. Everyone wants to come here to work as well. So what we're seeing is an increase in the amount of employees coming from Manhattan and Queens and parts of Brooklyn to come work at the Navy Yard. Um, and, And it's a brand issue as well, Peter. Uh, to be made in Brooklyn means something. So now you have, you know, the Brooklyn Brewery is doing great internationally when it comes to selling beer. We have, um, you know, Brooklyn whiskey. We have Brooklyn t-shirts, Brooklyn hats. (laughs) If you put Brooklyn on it, you're going to do pretty well. Uh, So the Navy Yard is exploded. Um, And then you have the waterfront along Domino, which is a brand new park. um, And, you know, it's starting, uh, you know, the high rises that are coming about. Uh, But the great thing about uh, Brooklyn is, it, they're all neighborhoods already so no one's exactly. coming into a dry unidentified you know location if you're coming to Williamsburg you're going to feel Williamsburg uh, very quickly um, whether you come in or not uh, you come in new or you've been there for the last 40 years so yeah absolutely that there's been a boom happening
0: in Brooklyn the QE2 and then the Queen Mary 2 you know docking uh, on your side
5: yes yes oh look I I would say this that the ferry system is another example of you know everyone is using the ferry on weekends and later in nights it's to come into brooklyn not to leave to manhattan and then you these ferries there right now there's advocacy by the staten island community to have a ferry that stops in bay ridge right instead of it being from manhattan to, to staten island there'll be one that goes from brooklyn to staten island and back and it's just that, you know, it's, uh, it's the, the most, I thought at one point, the most underrated borough, but it's just uh, the funnest borough at this point. And, and because of it, all of these, you know, uh, amenities, I guess, uh, or accommodations are being created so that as many people could come in and really enjoy Brooklyn the way I do.
0: Now, I've got to tell you, uh, and I'm dating myself here. Uh, I, I never really forgave the Dodgers when they left. You're
5: not the only one, Peter. You're not the only one. And I want to be clear that we're not upset at the Dodgers. We're upset at the (laughs) ownership. The fact that they fled in the middle of the night and and took our our beautiful team away um, was something. Uh, But I grew up a Mets fan because of it, Peter. Uh,
0: You know what? I grew up a Mets fan. You know what? I have to tell you something. You know why I was not a Yankees fan? It had nothing to do with the fact they were in the Bronx. I didn't trust anybody who wore pinstripes. (laughs) That That is a very interesting take. Very interesting. For me, when I
5: grew up, they told me, if you're not a Dodgers fan, you got to be a Mets fan. It was just the way to oh, do yeah. it in Brooklyn. So I became a a, a huge Mets fan. I'm a, I'm really excited about the new ownership and the potential after uh, they finally settle on these talks and negotiations for their new contract.
0: And by the way, I have to tell you, I spent a lot of time in the Dominican Republic and I go down there and I, I play with the uh, the farm teams down there. And uh, they, let me, they let me do batting practice. And you know, if it was not for the Dominican Republic, there wouldn't be Major League Baseball. Yeah, well, I
5: appreciate you saying that. I think a lot of people would take for granted. I think the game itself in America has been taking a hit year in, year out. There's been lower viewership, uh, less people attending at the stands. The reason there's any money in baseball right now is because of these huge TV contracts. But in the Dominican Republic, you're pretty much born with a bat in your hand. Everyone wants to play baseball. The farm systems there are very are, are incredible. And it's a, it's a way out of poverty. Um, So uh, these kids, uh, they, they play it uh, day in, day out. It, it is absolutely amazing. We just got Big Poppy just entered the Hall of Fame, which is a big deal for us over there. They throw parades for anyone that gets into the Hall of Fame. You know, over here, it's like, I guess, a dime a dozen. Over there, we've only had four people make it to the hall of fame. So yeah, baseball culture is everything. Uh, they call it the American pastime, but I think at this point it's, uh, it's, it's becoming the Dominican time.
0: <laughs> You're right. In fact, you know, I, I remember watching the 1969 Mets, right. We, when they won the series and I was, and, and look, we all remember 1986 with Mookie Wilson and Bill Buckner. That was, that was the game. That's what turned it around, right? That's what
5: turned it around. was. It was, you know, I always say in order to win a championship, Peter, you need a little bit of luck. Uh, there's no way you can do it with just straight skill. And let me tell you, the the Mets need a lot of luck. Uh, and and I'm there, you know, with my rally caps and my fingers crossed all the time. Um, and we've been it's been unfortunate for a long time. But you know what else, Peter? We got something. We lost the Dodgers, but we got the Brooklyn Nets. That's right. Yeah, and they, and they play at the Barclays Center. You got it. Yeah, and they play in Brooklyn, right? Like it's not one of these things where you know you like the the Jets and the Giants that play in Jersey. This is an actual Brooklyn team. Um, and and for me, just a little bit of background, Peter, I used to be a, a big Gary Payton fan. Oh, my God. The point guard for the Seattle Supersonics. Absolutely. I'm a smaller guy, but I'm very scrappy when I play basketball. Uh, and all my friends used to say that I played like Gary Payton. So I became a big <laughs> Gary Payton fan. He's a Seattle Supersonics. Uh, then, uh, you know, but you can only be a Sonics fan for too long. Uh, right. And I never really, never really had a team when Brooklyn came to – when the nets came to brooklyn it really gave me that opportunity and i tell you the last number one pick that was drafted or the last first round pick drafted by the seattle super was actually kevin kevin durant uh and now kevin durant is in brooklyn so it's like full circle so i've been a a fan ever since i've been there in the dark days and now i'm enjoying a little bit of happiness with the nets uh but look in new york if you want to see playoff basketball you're only going to be able to
0: do that in Brooklyn, Peter. Nowhere else. <laughs> yeah, I'm, we'll wait another 20 years for the Knicks. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you a question. Since you grew up in Brooklyn, are you still shooting hoops?
5: I am. I play a lot of basketball, Peter. I think I'm better than I am, but I, all Brooklynites do, right? Uh, but uh, I play a lot of basketball. I love playing on, on my local courts. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Right now, you know, my neighborhood where I grew up, and I was born and raised in Williamsburg, and I still live there. When I play basketball locally, All the basketball players are always talking about me fixing the the basketball courts. They're like, hey, you got to fix this rim. You got to fix this court. I got to play over here because this other court is damaged. So it's a lot of advocacy by people playing on the ground when I play. So Yeah, you know why? Yeah. You
0: know why? Because you're the Brooklyn Borough president. You got to fix the courts now. Well, you would (laughs) think that it it mattered, but they play defense just as tough on me.
2: Uh, I thought they would
5: back (laughs) up a little bit, give me the Obama treatment. It's not the case. I feel like they hit me a little harder. Uh, when I go up to the rack. But uh, yeah, I play a lot of basketball, Peter, and uh, I I play a lot of sports. So when I was young, my father really put me into into every single type of league you could imagine. So uh, I love playing sports
0: and it keeps me healthy. My thanks to Borough President Reynoso. Okay, I'll admit it. As a born and raised New Yorker from Manhattan, I didn't venture much to the east of the East River. And most visitors to New York don't really know much about a true hidden gem there as well, the Brooklyn Museum
4: Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
0: So, seriously, I mean, people don't necessarily equate Brooklyn with art. And yet, it's so much of, it's so much of New York.
2: Absolutely. And home to so many artists as well. Um, and the Brooklyn Museum, uh, we have been um, a museum for nearly 200 years.
0: I told you, it's a now. surprise. Yeah. I know.
2: Uh, we will celebrate our 200th anniversary in 2025. Wow. Yes. Um and there are um, amazing collections. Now, now for, to example, see, for example, exhibitions. You,
0: you, you know, you go to the Metropolitan Museum in in Manhattan and there's the, you know, the American wing, the Egyptian wing, you have an Egyptian collection.
2: Absolutely one of the greatest. Um visitors will be completely wowed um by our Egyptian collection. By the way, I did a little research animal mummies. Yes. Got to check them out. Animal mummies. Absolutely. I mean... Outstanding. A book of the dead. Just so much to see. You're
0: also the only... I mean, first of all, I'm going to stay on Egypt for a second. Because, you know, only about 7% of what's out there in Egypt has actually been found. So they're making discoveries every single day. My listeners are always wanting to know, when is the GEM going to open, the Grand Egyptian Museum? They Mm -hmm. keep postponing it. Yep, It's going to open this November, we hope. But even then, when I was over there, every day there are new deliveries coming in because look what we found. Look what we found. I mean, is that how you guys started?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, our collection of Egyptian art was one of our founding collections, and it has... um, we're, we're finding things. We have so much in storage. Um, we're, our curators are continually and our conservators are continually um, working on um, new research, um, new um, objects co- to conserve and to put on view.
0: Okay, that brings up a very interesting point. Anytime I go to a museum I say, take me in the back room. I don't want to see what's on display because you've been around nearly 200 years. What do you have in storage?
2: Yeah. Well, we do, in fact, we have a space called the Lou Center for American Art, which is a visible storage study center. So it is literally like going into storage. Um, And there are just layers upon layers of works to discover in that space. See, that's what I call my basement.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Works to discover.
2: (laughs) Yes. You'll find really extraordinary things when you open the drawers and, you know, really dive into that space. And it's constantly being changed. Yes, absolutely. And and also with our galleries, we're continually putting new acquisitions, uh, works that have come into the collection on view, and just um, throughout our galleries.
0: And later this year, you've got a new Asian art exhibit coming in.
2: Absolutely. Um, this September, um, we will open our full reinstallation of our Arts of Asia collections with over 800 works um, from across the region. Now... You
0: are a museum of firsts,
2: right? I mean, you're the only museum in the country to
0: have a center for feminist art. Explain that.
2: Absolutely. We have um, the Center for Feminist Art. The centerpiece of that is Judy Chicago's Dinner Party, a great um, icon of feminist art. And we have changing exhibitions in that space as well that look at um, connections to feminism.
0: And... Bottom line is, when you think about the hidden gems of the museum, I'm not just in the basement, right? But is there one room that's a favorite of yours?
2: Oh, that's hard to pick a favorite. You know, that's like, you know, asking for your favorite child. Um, I, I, there there's so yeah, many. Yeah, but every child there's, knows who it is, by the way. <laughs> there, there are so many. But I do think there are so many discoveries in our Egyptian galleries in particular. There's this really wonderful sculpture of... Um, uh, Pepe Second and his mother. And think about... Explain. Think about... So it's a, it's a beautiful sculpture made of alabaster. And think about the idea of the mother and child imagery going back 4,000 years. But in this case, Pepe II is the king as a child. And so, in fact, he's been depicted... As an adult, sitting on his mother's lap, and has this really wonderful um, embrace of hands um, that is just quite touching, and is just that that connection going back so many so many years. Now,
0: as we're coming out of the pandemic and hopefully getting to an endemic, what are you doing in terms of your opening hours? Are you becoming much more accessible?
2: Absolutely, we have um, uh, we're open Wednesday through Sunday. Um, one of the things that I certainly recommend to people if they're here on a first Saturday of the month starting in April, we'll have our first Saturdays where we have free programming from 5 p.m. until late. And it is. Let me ask you a question. It is, is an evening not to be missed.
0: Is wine included?
2: If you want. <laughs> hey,
0: just asking. <laughs> Bottom line though, is that the free day of the museum?
2: Yes, yes. But we are also always suggested donation. Um, and so there, there are lots of ways to experience the museum.
0: And when people come to the museum, what's the biggest thing that surprises them? The one thing?
2: I think it would be the, the, the breadth of the collections and just how much there is to see um, when they visit the museum.
0: And how often are you rotating the exhibits based on the storage that you just teased me with?
2: Yeah. Well, we, um, in addition to changing our um, what's on display in our collection galleries, we also have incredible exhibitions that are opening, you know, every every month or every other month. So there's always something new to see. And considering that I I actually think it's art, are you going to do a a sort of a retrospective on the
0: idioms of, of Brooklyn language? Like forget about it, never (laughs) happened. Get out
2: of here. People will just pick that up when they come to visit.
0: That's how. Is that the secret password to get in? Yeah,
2: no. (laughs) Is there an artist you've been trying to get? Oh, interesting question. Well, the an exhibition that we're really excited about coming up is that we will um, present an exhibition of Virgil Abloh's work um, that'll open in July. And this is an exhibition of his career, just an incredible vision um, of all sorts of disciplines, fashion, design, et cetera. And unfortunately, he passed away at only the age of 41 back in November. And so this will really be an important opportunity to highlight um, his career and legacy. By the way, just as an aside, the museum is located in Prospect Heights,
0: which in itself has such great history.
2: Absolutely. And there is so much to see um, when you come to Prospect Heights and come to the Brooklyn Museum. You can visit the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens, Prospect Park. Prospect Park. park or, how big is that park? Prospect Park Zoo, also. Yeah. Um, so you can see you once can again, I went to the Central literally, Park Zoo. I got no, it. Yeah. yeah, but see, you need to, you need to come to Prospect to. I need to enlighten myself. I know. Yes. And you can literally spend an entire day just walking, take the 2 3 subway right out front of the Brooklyn Museum and spend the day. Great restaurants, great shopping, yeah. And uh, believe
0: it or not, the two line is a great subway.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Easy, literally on the plaza at the Brooklyn Museum, pop out I love an it. entire day.
0: My thanks to Sharon. You want some real Brooklyn history? Then just talk to Dr. Raymond Codrington about Weeksville. Most of us, and that includes me, Don't know much about it until Dr. Condrington tells the story. Doctor, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start with the ignorant question first, Weeksville.
3: Yes, Weeksville is a historic black community started in 1838, this is what, roughly eleven years after the abolition of slavery in New York State, and really what what it was, but before the Civil War, pre-Civil War, yeah. So it's actually the largest free Black community, second largest free Black community in the pre-Civil War era. It was really started to give Black people, formerly enslaved Black people, the right to vote, the right to full citizenship through homeown, through through land ownership. So if you at that time, if you owned land above two hundred fifty valued. $250, you had the right to vote. So this is a revolutionary, radical idea for black people to be able to vote, to be able to own land. But that transferred and that translated into the building of a community that was think, full of institutions. It was an institution building place where you had churches, orphan- an orphanage, home for the aged, schools It had a newspaper called the Freedman's Torchlight. Really what it gave and black And people, people were like, making money people were making money, but people, more importantly, people were, black people were allowed to live and live unencumbered by racial violence. Um, it was a safe space. So, for example, in the 1850s, when people were f- fleeing the Fugitive Slave Act, came to Weeksville, you know, the draft riots of, of 18, uh, 1868, 1863, you know, it was an opportunity for black people to have a space where they could feel safe, they could make their own institutions, and they could live freely. And for that time in even almost it was today, our president. it's a radical idea.
0: Okay, so here's the question.
3: What happened? So, Weeksville grew um, to about the turn of the century as a black community. And so, the post-Civil War era, it started to become integrated. Europeans, other groups started to move in. The black population became diluted. So that's one thing. Demographic change happened. And the the culture changed. The culture changed and the neighborhood changed. Weeksville as a physical space, as a neighborhood, as an area started to be demolished and absorbed into the wider Brooklyn neighborhood and the wider Brooklyn um, borough. So it's about 1865 1865, where the grid system starts to happen and starts to construct the grid system in Brooklyn. And And by the way, I still get lost in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. But, But the interesting thing about Weeksville is that the houses, for example, so Weeksville has um, houses that are from the late, ni- late 19th century. We have them on site and those were built off the grid. So we have original houses from that time period, but really the only reason they survived is because they were off the grid and they were essentially built around. So it was a little- They t- lucked out, they lucked out. Incredible, I mean, they were, they were in disrepair when they were re- rediscovered in the, late, in the late 1960s. But your mandate really is to make sure they stay. Your mandate is to
0: make sure the cultural heritage is preserved.
3: It's to make it stay and its preservation and conservation, but it's also to tell the story and have people understand the importance of telling history. But understand the importance of having a free black community essentially in your own backyard in Crown Heights, in central Brooklyn. So, you know, it's interesting because I started in museums many years ago at the Field Museum in Chicago.
0: What a so, cool museum that is.
3: Beautiful, beautiful museum, incredible. You know, it's flanked by an aquarium and a plant. The, Shed, and the planet- Shed Aquarium? Yes, and, and you know the idler is there um but we're not like that we're squarely in a neighborhood we are in crown heights you know we have a lot of rooms to operate we have a different we have different demographics we're integrated in neighbor, integrated in our neighborhood in a different way than if we were on an arts campus and that's something that we that we really lean into and it allows us to tell the history of weeks but also make the history relevant to people today
0: but for most visitors to new york you remain a hidden gem
3: Yes, unfortunately, so. But that's I think part of it is the the importance that we place on history and conservation. So a lot of times it takes effort to get those stories out and to get people to know about really what's what's really hidden in plain sight in a lot of ways. Um, and it's also storytelling. It's storytelling. It's narrative. It's history. And it's really helping people understand the importance of having that history so close to you and having it accessible so you can actually go to Weeksville and enter a house that was built in the late 19th century. And we have them staged. We have several houses staged, one to represent the time period in the 1860s. 1900, and 1930s. So you can actually take a step back in time in, in the original houses and really see and feel what it, li- what it was like to live in that time period, in those time periods.
0: you know, We just did a story in Washington at the Smithsonian. They have an exhibit there called Within These Walls. And they moved a house from New Hampshire to Washington and showed how many families lived in this one house and how the changes happened. Mm-hmm. You've got that. That's a living, breathing thing you have.
3: We have it here, and it's in the middle of Crown Heights, central Brooklyn. So it's for, for, for people that want to see something that's authentic, that's real, that's historically specific and, and preserved and conserved in a way that is meticulous, they have to come to Weeksville and they have to understand the story of really what a free black community looked like.
0: And, and perhaps most importantly, you're continuing the story. It's not lost.
3: It's not lost. Um, one of the founders of, of Weeksville as a, as a cultural institution, Dr. Joan Maynard, really believed in the importance of telling the story, telling the history, and having especially young people know about really what happened, what, the, the amount of work that it took to build that community. To get of, to that, yeah. The amount of work that, to, to get to that, to, to preserve those houses. Conservation and preservation is extremely labor intensive. It's extremely expensive, but it's such a... Um, The payoff, the payoff. It's such an important thing to really focus on, and many times communities of color don't have the resources or the luxury to focus on conservation protection. But you put it together. I'm, I'm... You're part of it. I'm part of it. I'm carrying on the legacy.
0: My thanks to Dr. Codrington, to Sharon Mott-Atkins, and to Antonio Reynoso, and my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just log on to petergreenberg.com.
1: The Ion Travel podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio.
0: If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.
4: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast